the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show. Sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Strike up the band. I wish we Wish we all could leave California now, courtesy of uh, the Babylon Bee. I'm just looking for a good excuse to play that song again, and I found it uh, because there have to be more people singing that song every day. It's it's not the ridiculous amount of crime, if it's not that, I should say, uh, or the stupid masks uh, that they're still forcing on the kids and the people pooping on the street. It's the government's hatred of the internal combustion engine. That's the government of California. Uh, the proposal to eliminate the sale of all gas-powered cars by 2035 has been approved, and the stupidity is mind-numbing. There are lots of people in California, you might have known that, and, there, and where are they going to get the, all the batteries? Where are they going to find the batteries to power all their cars in 2045 when they plan to reduce carbon emissions to zero? Where are they going to come from? Maybe everybody can take that bullet train they've been trying to build since 2008 out there and spent billions of dollars on. I think it goes about 20 feet. And where are they going to get all the electricity to charge all those batteries? They were nice enough to give the people out there a 12-year warning. So anybody who stays there deserves whatever they get. And in our second half hour, we're going to talk to the founder of Power the Future, that's Daniel Turner, about just how dumb and evil and, for that matter, un-American this idea is. But when we come back, speaking of dumb, we'll talk about another dumb idea, forcing one citizen to pay off another citizen's loan. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. It's no secret, America. We've been let down. Inflation is taking its toll in the grocery stores, the products we buy, and the pain of every visit to the gas pump. At Upside, we're fighting back with our free app that pays you back serious money on every tank of gas or diesel, up to 25 cents per gallon, just for using the Upside app, no strings attached. Upside users have already been paid back a total of more than $250 million. With inflation and the soaring price of gas, it's easy to feel like you're losing control. But with Upside's free app, you can start putting money back in your wallet with every gallon. Whenever you want, cash out with PayPal, an e-gift card, or transfer the money directly into your bank account. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an additional 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill-up. That's promo code S-A-L-E-M. Remember, use promo code SALEM when you download the free Upside app and get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank of gas. Cash back is not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? It couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. 
Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Get 10% off your next order of Dynavite nutritional supplements for dogs at Dynavite.com. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy. co RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811, and 96% of us are iodine deficient. Using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use the coupon code Prager for 20% off at CofixRx.com. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, education is in the news a lot these days. You might have noticed that. Uh, schools are opening. There's talk about who and, uh, and what is going to be taught uh, and uh, who's going to pay for it. You found out yesterday that you're going to be forced to pay off the uh, debts for the education of college students you've never met, all because of a stroke of Joe Biden's pen. Jonathan Butcher is a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Jonathan, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. So um, aside from... Uh, seeming really unconstitutional and unfair, this also seems like a pretty good way to make the cost of going to college go up. Am I wrong? Well, sure. I mean, look, the Bennett hypothesis, named after former Secretary of Education Bill Bennett, was that every time the federal government adds money to the student loan market, it increases the tuition costs uh, of colleges around the country. And actually, Federal Reserve Research has backed that up uh, with uh, studies on how the relationship between additional federal money relates to uh, increases in college tuition. So, you know, this one-time fix uh, has exactly zero long-term benefit for, uh, for the economy or the higher education landscape. So making all that money available in the form of loans uh, had a direct uh, effect on the cost of going to college going up, right? Well, especially during the Obama administration. I mean, since uh, since the Obama administration, Washington has uh, done the underwriting for some 90 plus percent of college loans, uh, student loans around the country. So Washington is now the, by far, right, the largest uh, loan provider. And, uh, and that means that it's really taxpayers, right? I mean, that's really the big issue that's going on here. Uh, you have something like two-thirds of Americans do not have a four-year bachelor's degree. And so you're asking middle-class and working-class Americans to pay the college expenses for students who may not even finish, right? I mean, this is such a bizarre contract, right? Nobody agreed um, to this part of the deal that we would be responsible for paying for somebody else's debts. Yeah, and I I had college loans a million years ago when I was in college. My parents got them, and I had to pay them off. Um, but if back then, I don't think it was the federal government involved. I think we just went to a bank, and they, lo- they loaned you the money. And they uh, I don't remember dealing with the government. It's a long time ago in the yeah, 70s. But. Sure. I mean, it's been a radical change over the past 20 years, especially, that the private sector of the student loan market has gotten substantially uh, substantially smaller. So how much uh, waste is there already on college payrolls uh, and, you know, that that um, that contributes to the cost uh, being so high now and being ready to go up even higher? 
Well, my colleague at the Heritage Foundation, Jay Green, did a report last year that found that the presence of DEI staff at colleges in the Power Five athletic conferences is quite substantial. I mean, we're talking on average about 47 employees at uh, universities that are part of the Power Five have uh, 47 employees about on average who just do DEI. They are just doing so-called diversity, equity, inclusion, which as Jay describes, is really just advocating for a, a political outlook, right? I mean, these are simply activists for a certain ideology. Uh, they're not educators. This is not about a new degree program that's going to lead to a job. This is simply um, political activism on campus. And it's kind of it's it seems like it it's the opposite of diversity when it comes to thought. This is not about creating diversity of thought, which is kind of one of the things that you used to expect when you went to college. You don't get that anymore, do you? You're absolutely right. I mean, those three terms, diversity equity and inclusion have been captured by the radical left. Uh, I was writing about this for the Washington Examiner just last week. I mean, if you want to really talk about diversity, we should be talking about diverse thought, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the idea that uh, we should uh, uh, have some sort of ratio of students based on skin color, right? Do we actually have programs that are serving students who are ready for college, who are um, have this as their career path, and uh, who are committed to the pursuit of truth. Equity is the same way. We want equality under the law. We don't need a government that is creating equal outcomes for everyone. I mean, that, that makes it impossible for us to improve our station in life when Washington is forcing everyone into the same outcome. And, of course, uh, the cost of tuition is, is a result of having to pay the salaries of people who, um, uh, I, I would guess... There's a, a gigantic amount of redundancy when it comes to the the, the job descriptions of these people. You know that that are, how many people do you need? You could probably if there are 47. I'm guessing you could do the same thing with four or seven, maybe. Well, the remarkable thing is when you have this um, uh, bureaucratic staff doing DEI work, and it outnumbers the the number of history professors or, uh, you know, professors of political science or something at these schools. I mean, that's really shocking um, when you have larger departments doing administrative work than actually doing academic work. And is um, what what is the, and I know you write about this a lot, what is the difference between the product that is produced? Uh, I'm not talking about somebody who goes to an Ivy League school. I'm just talking about, a, you know, somebody who goes to a state school, a Penn State, Ohio State, a Pitt, you know, a, a good college. What's the difference in the product, meaning the, the, the human being that is produced after four or whatever number of years when they get out of there now compared to, say, 25 years ago? Well, it's fascinating. There was actually uh, research that has been done in recent years showing that the uh, level of, um, of, of academic gain by college students uh, is remarkably low uh, compared to prior generations. And uh, there's been research done that's showing that students are not as well prepared uh, now. But, of course, it's going to depend on major, right? It's going to depend on major. It's going to depend on student grades. It's going to depend on um, the school where they're attending. Um, so, I mean, I just think the reality is that sticker prices for tuition have gone up. This, uh, is, this latest move by the Biden administration is not forgiveness. It is simply moving the cost onto American taxpayers. It's highly unfair. Yeah, and I, it's, it's just, it seems like, um, to me, and I, it's been a long time since I was in college, but, um, and even my kids were in college, but uh, grade inflation beginning at the high school level, it, it carries over into college, and you, you, these people who come out making the dean's list, um, and I, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me being cynical, but I don't, I'm not that impressed. Well, you're, you're exactly right, though. High school graduation rates are actually quite high these days, um, upwards of 80% uh, in, in the upper 80s for most of, uh, for many districts around the country. And yet, when you look at uh, college attainment, we're still sitting at somewhere around 60% who are finishing, um, and that's usually in, in about six years. It's even less for four years. Um, so, uh, you know, the levels of recidivism in higher ed are also quite high. 
Uh, so there's a mismatch, right, is what you're describing between uh, students who are graduating and then their actual ability to be to be successful in higher ed, which, again, loops all the way back to this discussion of college loans because there, we really should not be saying to every child that a four-year college degree must be their future, right? Yeah. We have to be giving them uh, other options about the workforce and explaining that you can have a very successful career without going to college. Yeah, um, and, and I'll tell you a story. When I was a kid, uh, a friend of mine, he, I thought he came up with a great line. He, he went away to sc- uh, college, and it was a school that nobody – it just wasn't a very famous school. It was actually Loris College out in Iowa, and I thought it actually went out of business, but I checked uh, today, and it's it's still in business. But anyway, when he, when he would come home from school – you know, kids would, he'd run into kids and he'd say, what are you doing? And so I'm going to school. Where are you going? Loris College. And uh, they would say, oh, I never heard of that. And his response was, well, they never heard of you either. So uh, I always thought that, <laughs> I always thought that was a good answer. Uh, so the, I, I'm telling you that to get around to a question about Robert L. Luddy, who he is and what he's doing about making going to a school nobody has heard of kind of a good thing. Yes, yeah, so I, I interviewed him uh, just recently for a piece that I wrote for The Federalist talking about how there are entrepreneurs who are rebuilding college, and they're building schools from the ground up. Uh, Bob Luddy is one in North Carolina. He's uh, had some successful uh, classical private K-12 schools, and now he's moved that model to uh, the post-secondary world, and he has Thales College there um, not far from Wake Forest in North Carolina, uh, the idea is to have a, a reasonably priced um, uh, school that allows students to take classes and uh, either work or engage in an imp- apprenticeship at the same time. So it's, it's, you know, he was, as I was talking with him, he really stressed that the idea was to have a degree that is useful, right? A degree that students can walk away and have something that will help them be successful when they're finished. Yeah, so he's, he's starting new colleges. That's uh, That's a pretty... Uh, brave um, move, but I'm just wondering, and it sounds like a great idea, and you mentioned Wake Forest, uh, still, when I got at, when I get out of college, uh, am I uh, better off showing up for my job interview saying I went to Wake Forest or a school that was just created in the last couple of years? I, I know that it's, it's hard for you to answer that, but I mean, are employers still impressed by Oh, you went to Wake Forest. Do they care anymore? I mean, I think it depends on the employer. I think if you can demonstrate for your employer that you have the skills to uh, handle the assignments that you're given, I think it matters less where you attend. I mean, remember, some of these higher-priced Ivy League schools, the the advantage that they've long had is human capital, right? They've allowed you to sort of uh, co-mingle with alumni who are very successful, and it gives you access to you know, these, um, you know, folks who have graduated from these schools who um, who have been successful themselves. So there's a bit of a repeating cycle there. But um, I, I think the important thing for um, educators and entrepreneurs to really consider today is instead of reforming institutions that have been around for hundreds of years, that maybe we could just start over, right? Maybe we can just create new schools uh, designed to protect free speech, to um, not protect students from ideas with which they disagree, and to prepare them for the workforce. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I think it's great, but I just wonder, are there enough people out there in the real world who are going to be impressed enough with someone saying that they graduated from one of these schools? I mean, you got to get <clears> – <throat> I think most people still go to college – with the idea, most kids go with the idea that when they come out, it's going to get them a job. And and you want to go, I, I'm guessing that kids still want to go to a school that the, the name of which impresses a future employer, or for that matter, employ, impresses the, your next door neighbor. People think you're, you know, they think high, more highly of you if you're going to a school they heard of. Well, you know, enrollment rates are down, especially over the pandemic. I think students are reconsidering the college experience with the way that schools reacted to the pandemic with, you know, forcing students to stay in hotel rooms and stay off campus and having students report on each other if, uh, you know, they showed symptoms, things like that. 
I think, help to drive students away from college. Not to mention that the surveys of student experiences right now show that students don't feel safe expressing their opinions on campus. And uh, this is something that will also drive students and families away, which brings us back to these new schools that are being uh, created. One down in Austin, Texas, the University of Austin. Mm -hmm. um, Once it was announced that this school was... uh, uh, under consideration with the likes of Barry Weiss, a former writer for the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, as well as Glenn Lowry from Brown, all free speech advocates. There was significant support from uh, charitable donors as well as uh, professors who wanted to be involved. I think there's a, an appetite for these new schools out there. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Are, are there professors out there, uh, I'm guessing if they're looking, most of them, if not all of them, are looking quietly uh, for somewhere else to teach because they they don't feel like they fit in the woke uh, atmosphere that they're living in uh, on a college campus, but they really can't say that out loud? I'm sure that there's some of that. I, I, I think uh, that there are certainly professors and academics who want to provide a experience where you give students the ability to pursue truth. And I think that that, that still exists. I think it still can be preserved in the higher ed space. Uh, I just think the best way to go about it right now is for entrepreneurs and uh, and academics to be prepared to create new schools. I had a guest here a couple of weeks ago who wrote a book called Don't Go to College. Um, should somebody write one called Go to a New College? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think uh, I think there's there's a case to be made that um, that there are too many schools today that have uh, tight free tight speech restrictions that have student codes that are unfair to students, uh, especially now with the changes to Title IX, which is uh, really taking away due process uh, from students when it comes to, you know, charges of, of assault. I mean, there's a lot going on here that's going to make college a, uh, you know, could be a, um, a scary place to be for, for students. So um, I think it can be rebuilt, though. We're talking to Jonathan Butcher. He's a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation. You do write about uh, secondary education and you, and high schools. You just write about education in general and deal with it at the Heritage Foundation. So while I have you here, I just I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the significance of what happened in Florida uh, Tuesday night with the school board elections? I think it's more evidence that parents are, are, are speaking up. Uh, I think that families are um, not only paying attention to what's being taught in schools, I think that the idea that uh, large interest groups like the National School Boards Association can intimidate parents is highly offensive to families. And I think that families are reacting by, um, you know, hopefully they're making their voices heard when it comes to both the ballot box um, as well as school board meetings. Is it a sign, uh, though, that things could be changing because simply for the reason that, that parents are starting to pay attention? I, I don't think most people really, until very recently, even talked about school boards. Uh, they, they just yeah, didn't school, pay much attention to it. Yeah, school board elections uh, have historically had very low voter turnout, um, somewhere around 10% or less of uh, uh, the eligible voting population. I, I think that families have been deba- and schools have been debating curriculum content really since the beginning of, of public schools. I think what's happening now is that those on the radical left have been pushing aggressive, racial discrimination, as well as radical gender policies. And I think families uh, have taken note of that and said they, they want no part of it and they don't want it to represent them or their communities. And what do you think is the state of the school choice movement? Uh, I've, I've said here many times, I hear a lot of talk from Republicans about it, but it's uh, until very recently, I haven't seen too much walking. Well, look, just a couple of weeks ago, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey expanded the state's education yeah. savings account mm-hmm. plan so that now every child in Arizona can apply for an account. Uh, we have very uh, laws that are similar to that in 10 states in the U.S. I mean, that's, that's very remarkable. And, and, and between Arizona and West Virginia, in both of those states, uh, pretty broad eligibility populations. Uh, looking towards next year, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas has said that he wants uh, lawmakers to consider something like that in the upcoming session. Uh, similar news out of Iowa from the governor's office. So, 
you know, I, I think that lawmakers are aware that parents are unhappy with the way that assigned school districts handled the pandemic. And uh, I think that giving families more choices is at the top as it should be at the top of their list of solutions. Well, I hope it shows up in the election uh, in November. I appreciate you coming on, Jonathan, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's Jonathan Butcher. He's uh, with the Heritage Foundation, and we will be right back. SRN News, I'm John Scott. At the school board meeting, Uvalde School Board Secretary Laura Perez makes a motion to fire School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo. Mr. Board President, I move that good cause exists to terminate the non-certified contract of Pete Arredondo effective immediately. And that's exactly what happened. Arredondo was fired following allegations that he made several critical mistakes during a mass shooting that left 19 students and two teachers dead. Arredondo had tried to defend his actions, telling a Texas House committee he did not consider himself to be the incident commander on the scene. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered a major buildup of his country's military forces in an apparent effort to replenish troops that have suffered heavy losses. This comes after six months of bloody warfare in Ukraine. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single, and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. AM 1250, The Answer, The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. You borrow money to get a college education, you gotta pay it back. And if you don't pay it back, you're irresponsible. And these Democrats want to reward the irresponsible deadbeats who don't want to pay back their college tuition bill. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. The coming midterms may be the most important election in the history of our country. The battle lines are drawn. The war for America's soul is on the line. Now is your chance to help freedom win. Join Salem Media Group and this station for the Battleground Talkers Tour coming in October. The best minds in conservative media and thought will dissect the coming election. Learn who's on the right side. Join us for a vigorous discussion about the issues that are so crucial to you, your family, and community. The economy and inflation. The border crisis. Our civil rights under attack. Higher taxes. And the effects the Biden administration is having on this country. The Battleground Talkers Tour will be something you never forget and could make the difference in this coming election. Join us. Join Gallagher, Hewitt, Prager, and Tatum. The Battleground Talkers Tour, Thursday, October 20th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree, hosted by Pittsburgh's own John Steigerwald. Tickets at TheAnswerPGH.com. Parents, are you tired of helping put your kids' shoes on? They're squirming, watching cartoons, anything but helping. Luckily, it's Skechers to the rescue. Introducing new hands-free Skechers slip-ins. Footwear you can just get your kids to step into and their shoes are on. You don't need to bend over. You don't need to sit on the floor and try to wrangle them on. And they're available in all types of Skechers styles with and without laces. And most are machine washable. Find Skechers slip-ins for kids or mom and dad at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish shoes are sold. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. A little good news for you. Liberty Tunnels lights are back on, power back on there. 
Now over to Crosstown Boulevard, where we continue to see delays between 28 and Liberty Bridge. Outbound 28 heavy from Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Inbound off-ramp to Fox Chapel Road, remaining shut down. Heavy delays, Parkway East inbound 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. About a 10-minute delay there. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll reach a nighttime low of 65. Intervals of clouds and sun tomorrow with a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high 80. Tomorrow night, a thunderstorm in spots in the evening. Otherwise, partly cloudy skies, low 63. Saturday, we'll see some sunshine. Expect a thunder shower in spots. We'll reach a high Saturday of 79. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 85. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you're a a junior in high school in California, you won't be able to buy a gas-powered car when you grow up, uh, if you consider 30 years old being grown up, I guess. Um, California's about to approve a plan, maybe as we speak, to phase out gas-powered cars by 2035. After that, you won't be able to buy a new one. Uh, What could go wrong there? Well, David, uh, I'm sorry, Daniel Turner is founder and executive director of Power of the Future, and he joins us now. Daniel, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure to be on your program. So, so this is no surprise, right? I mean, they've been threatening threatening to do this for a while since uh, Governor Newsom issued an executive order about this a while back. He did, and and it's not really surprising. They've hinted at this, and I think it will probably have a domino effect. I'm sure other liberal states um, will, will follow in this example. Um, th- there are so many things wrong with this economically, uh, 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 in terms of just culture. But right off the bat, the first problem I have is, is just philosophical. When have we ever really, as a country or as a free market, when have we ever advanced by banning something, right? We've never, a lot of times people compare, oh, electric vehicles are like electricity and you're stuck with candles and electricity is the future and you got to let it happen. Well, that's a terrible analogy, first of all, but, but even when electricity was invented, Edison never worked with officials to make candles illegal, right? They never forced the people to use their products. So philosophically, it's just a very bad step for the government to make a perfectly good and viable product illegal, right? It, it, it skews the markets in ways we can't possibly begin to understand. Yeah, and it's also, it's, it's kind of like the, um, the uh, canceling of, of college debt, where uh, one person gets to come out and just kind of declare something like, well, you know, all your debt, uh, don't worry about pay, paying those uh, loans off. I got that for you. We'll take care of that. Don't worry about one one person, Joe Biden, gets to do that. And in this case, yeah. the governor of California gets to say, I don't like electric cars, uh, therefore I am issuing an executive order that says uh, we're not, not going to use them anymore. We're not going to have them out here on such and such a date. It, how, when did we get to that point? Yeah, and, and I think a judge, I think this may be thrown out, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised. There will be lawsuits against this. First of all, every car dealership in America or in California will, will file suit. Um, and I think a judge is going to have to rule uh, in, in their favor because, uh, again, we have a we as a culture, we as a society understand that certain things are illegal. Drugs used to be illegal, and now every drug under the sun is legal in California. Right? Sleeping on the on on the sidewalk and defecating on someone's lawn used to be illegal, yeah. and that's now legal okay, in California. But, but a car is not an illegal commodity, and for the governor just to declare, well, I think it no longer is. Um, I don't think he necessarily has that authority, and so um, I hope it's challenging the courts. And if it's not, you know what? Here's a little bit of free advice for anyone who's got some extra cash, which clearly in the Biden economy no one does. But if you do have some extra cash and you don't know what to do with it, my advice is this. Go to southern Oregon or western Nevada and, and, and open up a car dealership, because <laughs> as soon as this law goes into effect, people are just going to cross the border and buy a car out of state and drive it back in. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, and if you could do it with, with, with not a gigantic uh, investment uh, in a couple of years, just go buy up a couple of hundred uh, gas-powered cars in California because they will be used cars in, 2030, in, in 2035 and just have them laying around with no miles on them. 
and yeah. and uh, they're going to be worth a lot of money. They're gonna, not only gonna, are they going to be antiques, but they're going to be uh, in demand. Yeah. By the way, um, you mentioned that there's going to be lawsuits. I hope that's true. But did I also see that General Motors has said that it will only sell electric vehicles after 2035, which is the same year that this is supposed to happen in California? Uh, I, I did see that as well, and I think a lot of these dates are really just uh, uh, dates meant to keep the Biden people off your back. Right, 2035 sounds like it's close enough away that the Biden folks will be happy with you and they'll leave you alone. But it's also far enough away that in 13 years you can quickly change plans. And that's the same with this law under Gavin Newsom, right? He knows he's not going to be around in 2035. And even if the law is upheld by the courts, by the year 2030 or whatever other date, um, this is going to get overturned. And and not overturned because I don't like electric vehicles. I have no problem with electric vehicles. I don't either. It's going to get over. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's going to get overturned because we just don't nearly have enough of them. And government can't will them into being, right? Mm-hmm. We Last year, we sold about 17 million cars in America, and only around 240,000 of them were electric vehicles. <laughs> That's a huge discrepancy. Not to, and those are new cars, by the way, not to mention the used car market. Yeah, and yeah. Not, to mention, not to mention trucks, not to mention motorcycles. There are a lot of other vehicles, just regular cars. Um, that's a huge number. And the reason why... Uh, um, the numbers are so skewed is because electric vehicles are a new product and what makes them better and cheaper and more efficient is competition. So, so in that sense, philosophically, going back to my first point, Gavin Newsom's hurting the electric car industry because if you don't have to compete, you're never going to make a better product. One of the problems with electric vehicles is they average $67,000, yeah. right? What's going to bring the price down? Competition is what's going to bring the price down. Um, if you take away the competition, you're not creating a better product. Yeah, I was in the market for a new car um, a couple of months ago, and I, I actually looked at uh, the possibility of buying an electric car. I, I have no uh, nothing against them, um, but the car that I saw that wasn't sixty-seven thousand dollars. It was a Chevy. Is it a Bolt? Um, it the the uh, the range on it is only is still only uh, two hundred and twenty miles something like that. That's just I, I can't I can't take a two hundred and fifty mile trip without having to stop and charge it. And in California, people like to drive a lot, and two hundred and fifty miles is is not that big of a trip for people out there. I don't know who's going to buy them out there. And as, and I think I saw sixteen uh, percent. Of the cars sold uh, were electric out there, so they do do sell more than uh, other states do. So there are people buying them out there, but still only sixteen percent, and they're they're number one in the country. Yeah, and and they they have an awful lot of other drawbacks. And again, that's not knocking them; that's just the reality. They would say the drawback to the combustion engine is that it uses gas, and they think gasoline is bad. Okay, well, I'll I'll take it. That that's your that's your perspective on on uh, the combustion engine. My drawback with the electric engine is that it requires each household to use almost four times as much electricity, and that's four times the bill. What's going to happen when the entire state of California is charging their not one electric vehicle, which most households only have one, but you have one, your spouse has one, your kids have one because they have to go to school. A lot of American households have three and four cars. Well, is your house equipped to charge three and four cars? Of course not. Is your electric grid? California right now imports almost 40% of its electricity. They're buying it from Oregon. They're buying it from Nevada. They don't even make enough electricity. So where are they going to get the electricity to charge all these cars? Then you add on top of that things like these terrible wildfires that California always has because of their terrible forest management program, what happens when you have to vacate whole neighborhoods, as they often do? Well, if you're not charging your car, and they say, the order is given, John, everyone out, what do you do? Your your car is a useless piece of junk. Um, That's not the problem with gas-powered cars. You can throw a couple gas tanks in the back and go pretty far. You can't throw a couple electric, or you can't throw an extension cord long enough. No to keep your to, to get away and so i mean these are just realities of electric vehicles and forcing them into the marketplace is not going to make those realities change we're talking to daniel turner he's the executive director and the founder of uh, power of the future <laughs> i saw something uh a, t- a study released in june daniel 
that as to, to what you just said here, electricity consumption would increase by 68% in California by 2045 if this plan goes into effect with all the electric cars. 68%. So where do they plan to get the uh, electricity to put into those cars? I know Because it doesn't just come out of the, the ground or out of the sky. Yeah. And, and considering the same philosophy of, of pushing electric vehicles is also anti-fossil fuel. So we don't, California right now barely can sustain its electric grid because of their, their retiring of reliable coal, reliable nuclear. So are they just going to put up more unreliable wind and solar? Uh, so they're just, they're, they're entering into an awful lot of problems. And, and, and the ones who are going to suffer are the people. And those are the ones who always suffer under these terrible policies, right? The, the, the cost is cost prohibitive for many people. So basically you're saying a car is now only a luxury item of, of a select few. And quite frankly, the car and, and then the other philosophical problem I have with electric vehicles, um, electric vehicles can be turned off remotely. And I know some of the cars have a, have a kill switch. I've always heard those rumors. But electric vehicles uh, are different. Uh, Tesla has been known to shut people out of their car for violations of their social media policy, etc. And then you find out, well, you bought this piece of metal on the four wheels, but the technology is Tesla's. And Tesla can deny you that technology if, if they so desire. Um, the, the combustion engine doesn't have that sort of control over it, right? There is a lot of agency. And we know that as Americans, because everything from fun, fun, fun till daddy took her T-bird away to Jack Kerouac's on the road, so much of our literature, our rock and roll, our, our ethos is tied up in the, the great American road trip of high school kids, college kids jumping mm -hmm. in the car and driving somewhere. If someone can shut off your means of transportation, or as you said about the vault, limit you to 200 square miles, they're limiting your agency, right? They're limiting, they're limiting your freedom and your movement. And that's a different type of America, quite frankly. And that is the beauty of the car. That's what the car did. It, the freedom that it gave people, the freedom for, to, to move, to, to um, uh, just the, the way it changed, the way people live, everybody having the ability to go 60 miles in one hour. Um, that, that's, they, they want to take that away. Uh, and, and they want to make it, they, 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 they're trying to defeat the whole purpose of the, of the freedom that comes with the car. It's, uh, sick, actually. Absolutely. And, and that's their preferred, uh, model of, of American existence. It's the same as the people who wrote the Green New Deal and their love of, now they've always talked about banning the combustion engine and the Green New Deal, but their love of, of big infrastructure and mass transit projects. Right, they want you in in Pittsburgh Central. They want you downtown. They want you in high rise buildings. They want you on their subways. They want you on their buses. They don't want you roaming around free. They don't really like suburbia, they, especially rural America. Oh, they hate it, yeah. right? And, and 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 that's the big difference of of this type of legislation is it's telling Californians, you know, the the ones who are going to be able to to have a little bit of freedom and movement are the ones who live the way we want them to live. Um, but, what do you, but what does that say about farmers, right? What does that say about rural Californians? Or if you're loaded and you've got a multi-million dollar mansion and a huge estate, you can afford multiple electric vehicles and you can afford the charging stations. Um, and, and that's okay. So it's either a rich world or the rest of us all kind of live in uh, urban scapes. And, and that's, again, it's a lot more about control than it is about the environment. Have you heard the song, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Babylon B came up with, uh, wish we all could leave California now. <laughs> People are doing it. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's I, the I, number one. Yeah, this is maybe you're giving me a good excuse to play that today. I love that song. Uh, I got a couple minutes left here, uh, Daniel. Um, one of the things that that really, and you talked about this, um, they want you to live in the city. Um, I, I live in a in a townhouse, but I'm I'm surrounded by some uh, some apartments, some apartment buildings. Uh, some of them are like it's like four stories, and there's uh, probably 300 units in there, and it's it's in a suburb. Uh, how are all those people going to charge their cars every night? Yeah, and that's and, a great point. And, and if you live in in the say in Shady Side here in Pittsburgh, um, just using that as an example, and you don't have 
uh, a garage. You park on the street. How do these people get their cars charged? I'm serious. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. How are they proposing for people like that to, to charge their car? See, those are the types of questions that we need to be forcing on our political leaders before they make these decisions. I'm sure there are millions of Californians who live in neighborhoods just like Shadyside, yeah. and they don't have driveways and garages, and they, they park on the street. And, and what is the alternative for these people? And if they say, well, by 2035, we'll figure that out, no, the won't. answer should be, we'll, we'll figure that out now and then propose the law. But don't try to play catch-up on on my time right don't try to play catch up when all of a sudden uh, you're you're encroaching upon my freedom of movement and and my personal property hey i got another question for you john what happens to the millions of californians that have all of these uh, uh combustion engine vehicles when they start making gas stations illegal if you have a beautiful fifty thousand sixty thousand dollar car you better pay it off between now and then otherwise your, your car your, your piece of of, of metal is useless Worthless. and and it, does the government give you money for it to buy another car do they do they buy it back from you so again these are just these are bad policy decisions on so many levels and and there's never any thought any real thought about what goes into them it's just pure green virtue signaling and and boy california you need to get your act together this election cycle, because I can't understand who would live in this little dictatorial state. It sounds like North Korea. I don't know why. As the song said, I wish we all could leave California now. I'm out of time, uh, Daniel. Always good to have you on, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about this kind of stupidity with you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure, John. Thank you, sir. All right, that's Daniel Turner of Power of the Future. We'll be right back. It's ironic. Black people in America are the freest, safest, most prosperous black people in the history of the world. There is no country in this world that a black person would rather be. Unless, of course, they grow up in this country. Then they're fed a lie that is so deceptive. The system in America was never this built for black people. Racist from top to bottom and for black people. They actually believe the opposite of that which is true. From executive producer Larry Elder and director Justin Malone comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom. It's very clear there was an intention to use black people to affect change. Uncle Tom Part 2, An American Odyssey, starring Bodie Bauckham, Brandon Tatum, and Chad O. Jackson. Available on Salem Now. Violent crime is surging in Pennsylvania, and Senate candidate John Fetterman's answer? Let criminals out of prison. As chairman of the Board of Pardons, Fetterman said, quote, I'm trying to get as many folks out as we can. Fetterman admitted his goal is to get as many people out of prison as possible. Worse, Fetterman also said he would end life sentences for felony murder. And when illegal immigrants commit crimes here, Fetterman said this. Sanctuary cities is another policy that I very much That sanctuary city policy would let illegals who commit crimes back on our streets instead of deporting them. Sanctuary cities is another policy that I very much support. Letting criminal illegals back on our streets. Letting felons out of prison. Far left Fetterman. Just too far left to keep us safe. John Fetterman. Too far left for Pennsylvania. Senate Leadership Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.senateleadershipfund.org My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, we talked about college loans uh, a little bit there in our uh, second segment, and I want to make sure I mention this, that... uh, there are more than 45 million Americans who owe $1.6 trillion in federal student debt. But guess what city has the most college debt in the United States of America? Washington, D.C. And uh, people on the uh, Biden staff uh, will have uh, – well, they get, they're going to get a bunch of money paid off on their loans, uh, $4.7 million. Uh, collectively, 30 senior White House staff – Oh, as much as four point seven million. That's uh, what they're gonna. You're gonna help pay for that when you go to work tomorrow. Just remember that part of your paycheck uh, when you get it will be going to pay for them. And um, before I go, I want to mention uh, one week from today I will be signing off at uh, that uh, Pit Cycles out in Warrendale, which is right next to Jurgles, and uh, we're gonna be there live from four to six. I'll be doing the show live from there from five to six. That's the new BMW lineup that they're going to be introducing. They have a redesigned BMW showroom, and uh, they're going be, we're going to be giving away some gifts. The grand prize is a $400 remote starter or detailing package from Nuts and Cashel Shannon. Uh, and uh, also we're giving away two $100 dining certificates, Brick and Barrel in Fox Chapel and Jabby Joe's in McKee's Rock. So I'll see you a week from today at... Uh, at uh, Pitt Cycle next to Jurgles out in Warrendale, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Fan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.